to SCXF Presents, Strange Happening 7. Welcome everyone to Space City X-Files. This week's going to be uh, another Strange Happenings topic. And let me just say that you're in for a treat because this topic is super interesting, okay? I think it is at least. You might not agree with me yet, but when we conclude, perhaps your opinion will change on that. All right. So last week I was playing around on X and uh, I'm talking about the uh, I'm talking about the social media site formerly known as Twitter. OK, not X. So I was just playing around on social and uh, I came across something that sparked quite the debate online. And so out of curiosity, I can only think but to do some research and try to find out the answer. The answer to what? Well, the question is. Do the three-letter government agencies use controversial figures or agents as field operatives to infiltrate controversial groups or to surveil controversial American citizens? For example, and this was the case on Twitter, perhaps a group like a white supremacist group, perhaps something like Black Lives Matters, uh, Antifa, maybe a right-wing extremist groups, or perhaps even an organization that claims to work at doing good, like the ADL. Would the government install their spooks in those organizations? And if they did, what would be the reason for them to do that? Perhaps to cause controversy, or to just sit around and listen and report, or maybe try and sway opinion to advance a narrative. Maybe all three. Now, some of you listening may be privier than others when it comes to the history of our three-letter government agencies. And you're probably saying, Rick, come on, man. This is an easy one. You know for a fact that they do, man. And hey, I'm inclined to side with you. After all the cases that I've gone over, believe me, I know. But in today's world, citing a source called Trust Me Bro... And trying to get people to side with you no longer works. And you can see that because people all over the world are not accepting that no more. Especially when our government tries to use it on us. I feel like, in a way, as a country, we're approaching another age of enlightenment because more folks are demanding to be told the truth. And this is a good thing. So for this very reason, we're going to go back in history. We're going to find proof. We're going to present the facts, and then we'll see where we stand after all of that, okay? Stay tuned. You're listening to Space City X-Files Presents Strange Happenings 7. So what we're going to do first is we're going to look at a few cases where government agents may have been used in operations to infiltrate groups or certain situations. And this is what you call establishing precedent, Okay. So this is for those who are on the fence thinking, dude, why would the government do that? Or, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. This will help them see that this stuff actually is a thing. To begin, I would like to talk about an initiative called the Church Committee. And we're taking it back to where it all started on this one, okay? So the Church Committee formed in 1975 and named after its chairman, Senator Frank Church of Idaho, 
was established in wake of several startling revelations revealed by who? Independent investigative journalists. So the next time you see someone roll their eyes at the men and women online doing the groundwork, just remind them that historically, this is how shit got brought to light. So the committee was formed in the wake of several shocking revelations about U.S. intelligence and law enforcement agencies. Now, there were a series of explosive investigative journalism reports, as well as unauthorized leaks that exposed various illegal or unethical activities. Some key triggering events were as follows. So you have the Watergate scandal. Now, this political scandal involved illegal activities by individuals connected to the Nixon administration, raising questions about government abuse of power. All right. Then you have the Pentagon Papers. Now, the leak of these classified documents showed that the U.S. government had been dishonest about its intentions and assessments concerning the Vietnam War. Then you have revelations of domestic spying. Media reports started uncovering covert activities aimed against American citizens, like the FBI's Pro program, which aimed to surveil, infiltrate, and disrupt domestic political organizations and figures. Then you have foreign assassination plots. Now, there were allegations and initial evidence that the CIA was involved in attempts to assassinate foreign leaders, which shocked many in the U.S. public and Congress. Uh, you also have warrantless surveillance. Now, it was revealed that agencies like the National Security Agency, uh, the NSA, had been involved in mass surveillance without warrants. And so due to the public public outcry and concerns about the legality and ethics of these activities, there was a huge push uh, for comprehensive oversight and investigation. All right. The church committee was thus established to conduct a thorough review of intelligence activities and make recommendations to prevent future abuses. So what did the church committee do? Well, they held hearings, they conducted interviews, and they examined thousands of documents all to eventually put out 14 in-depth reports that would shock the world with all the corruption to be found. Now, I'll read off some of the covert illegal missions discovered by the church committee right now, okay? So first you have the FBI COINTELPRO program that specifically targeted civilians. Then we have the CIA-backed programs like Project Chaos that surveilled civilians associated with anti-Vietnam War protests. Now, they did this even though they had zero authority to surveil American citizens at the time. All right. Now, some things have changed because of the Patriot Act, but back then they had no authority to do that. All right. Then you have the CIA MK Ultra program that needs little introduction. But if you don't know, this was a CIA program that researched the use of drugs, including LSD for mind control and interrogation purposes. Now, many of these experiments were conducted on unwitting U.S. citizens by agents or informants who held positions in universities, prisons and community clinics. You have the CIA again now with the discovered projects to assassinate world leaders without any approval or oversight from Congress. Now, this included world leaders like Fidel Castro of Cuba, Patrice Lumumba of the Democratic Republic of Congo, and Rafael Trujillo of the Dominican Republic, among many others. 
Now, here now the NSA wants to get involved. The committee revealed that the National Security Agency had engaged in warrantless wiretaps of U.S. citizens. It also disclosed a program called Operation Minaret, which kept watch lists of U.S. citizens who were allegedly involved in anti-war activities or otherwise deemed to be of interest. So what does that mean? Well, they had no real evidence of anything. Eh, we're going to watch them anyways, okay? Illegally. All right, so now the IRS wants to join the party and show the guys they're not just they're not just a bunch of glorified accountants. The church committee found that the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, had been used for political purposes, targeting individuals and organizations for audit or other forms of scrutiny based on their political affiliations or activities. So after reading this list, you know, many would look around, look around today and say, you know what? You know what? This may be a different name, but it's the same playbook. Same old tricks. All right. Lastly, we have the federal grand jury bellying up to the bar. The church committee found that the federal grand jury system had been used to harass civil rights activists and others involved in social and political movements. So as you can see, there's quite the history of abuse uh, with the legal ops and intelligence. Now, in the midst of corruption, the common bond between these organizations was the use of domestic informants to conduct their missions on unsuspecting Americans. Now, let's talk about a few of these situations, okay? So first we have Ernest Withers. Ernest Withers was a young African-American photographer who documented the civil rights movement, and this gave him access to many of the civil rights leaders. Many who considered him to be a loyal, trusted friend Withers, uh, uh, they allowed Withers to uh, sit in on important meetings and uh, hear things that few ever got the opportunity to hear, especially uh, personal moments shared in meetings that uh, certain meetings that saw Dr. Martin Luther King as the lead speaker. Uh, it was later found in a FOIA document that Withers was an FBI informant and that he was regularly funneling information from the movement directly to the FBI. Some would go as far to say that it was Withers' reporting that would eventually lead to the assassination uh, of MLK. So here you see they use civilians, right? Are you still on the fence? Nah, don't worry, because we have more. Next, we have the case of Brandon Darby. Uh, this is a more recent case here, okay? This is from 2008. So Brandon Darby started off in a leftist organization in 2008 protesting with the Democrats but quickly turned FBI informant when members of his party began to grow extreme. Brandon reportedly gave information on two assailants, David McKay and Bradley Crowder, which would eventually lead to their arrest as they were planning to Molotov cocktail cars outside an RNC rally in St. Paul, Minnesota. His role as an informant is highly controversial and polarized opinions within activist communities. Some saw him as a snitch who had undermined the very cause he claimed to support, while others argued that he had acted to prevent potential violence. After coming out as an informant, Darby distanced himself from the earlier leftist activism and became an outspoken conservative, uh, often criticizing leftist movements and figures. Now this here sparked even more criticism, with some claiming that he was actually an FBI mole implanted into the party to incite acts of violence 
and then roll over when the bait was taken. You know what I mean? Now, this was an interesting case, and it will actually bring us to our next example, which is the January 6th incident. Now, this is another case that needs very little introduction. I'm sure you've probably seen it on TV a few times. But to recap, a large mixed group of people who claimed to support President Trump and they were opposers of the election results due to alleged tampering. So they gathered in front of the Capitol and eventually forced their way in, halting Congress from certifying Biden as the victor for several hours. The aftermath of this incident has caused countless investigations over the years and recently the sentencing of many who were involved to high prison terms. But as with most, most things political, the story doesn't end here, and in fact, it's not as cut and dry as one may see. That's because this case, too, has a controversial person of interest who some may see as a plant possibly planted there by a three-letter agency that coerced and incited Manny to act out violently. Ray Epps has now entered the web of this story. So Ray Epps was a self-proclaimed Trump supporter. He was a retired Marine and he was even a chapter president of a, of a right-wing uh, organization called Oath Keepers. So he was living the life and he was walking the walk, so to say. And he was involved in the protest that took place on and the days leading up to January 6th. So right now it's starting to sound a lot like Darby's case. Well, J, uh, J6 came and went. Fast forward to 2022 and videos start to surface of Epps and what his role was in the protest. Now in one video you see him in the middle of a large crowd. It was the night of January 5th. And he's yelling to everyone how they should storm the Capitol the next day. They needed to go in the Capitol, he said repeatedly. And it seemed like he was really trying to get a feel for how many people would be on board. Well, it didn't work out too well because people actually started chanting fed like they already knew who and what he was about. The next day, January 6th, Epps is seen again rallying the crowd. This time he's saying as soon as the president finishes speech speaking, we're going to the Capitol, he says. All right, right to the front door. The front door's this way, he points. The last video of him is taken at a barricade uh, leading to the Capitol door. Three officers are standing guard on one side and Ray and others are encroaching on the barrier but not, not doing anything yet. Well, in the video, you see Ray whisper to a man next to him and shortly after, the man grabs the barrier and yanks it down and then chaos ensues. Now, as we said, with the start of the initial investigation, the FBI brought many up on charges of insurrection and sedition. They even started uh, putting out on their site a list of people with pictures. They were searching for them. They were even offering cash rewards for their arrest. All right. Well, Ray was on that list, along with many others. And one by one, they started to be brought in on charges. And then something strange happened. Old Ray's picture disappeared from their site. And his name disappeared off the list altogether. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, this was enough for everyone to start drawing their own conclusions, uh, discovering other odd things about Ray as they, as they started doing their research, and they discovered things about him and, and even his wife. Um, there's another interesting video now circulating around, and this one is of Senator Ted Cruz, 
questioning the assistant director, uh, deputy director of the FBI on whether Ray Epps was indeed an FBI informant or not. Uh, he also asked if the FBI was involved in any way with actual agents or, or informants. And to every question, the assistant director replied that she could not answer the question. So he'd ask her question. She'd say, I can't answer it. All right, what about this? I can't answer that question. What about this? I can't answer that question. Some would say that'd be stonewalling, but, you know. Before we move on, let's hear a little bit of the video. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot well, of people who are understandably very concerned, concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day. The next day. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then, sometime later, magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at, Ms. Sandburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? 
Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you. Pretty strange. All right, we'll move on. Anyways, again, this is very interesting. All right, and so we'll move on. Finally, to touch a little bit on the reason that brought us to do this topic in the first place, the the Twitter debate that I was talking about. So recently there were protests by neo-Nazis in Florida, uh, a group calling themselves the GDL, uh, initially thought to be a far-right extremist group, but surprisingly, they were out there saying that they hated Trump and all their votes were going to go to Biden. Why? Because Biden supports Ukraine. And here's where it starts getting strange, all right? An independent journalist by the name of Laura Loomer did some digging and actually found that one of the members that goes by the name Boneface actually fought in the Ukrainian army, causing the theory to be brought back up that Ukraine actively supports Nazism. A charge that has been uttered by Putin, citing their past in WW2 that saw them side with Nazi Germany. But that's not where it ends. It seems like uh, this bone-faced guy has a long history of domestic terrorism and was even at the J6 incident photographed in pictures with many of the party who are now in jail. So the question has been brought up, why is this man not facing the same charges? How do you get in trouble so many times and nothing happens to you? Why aren't you rotting in a cell? How are you traveling around the world? There's endless que- there's endless amount of questions. Well, if you do a quick search of his name, you'll likely see why he's not in jail. And that's right. It's it's a, it's because of another video that's uh, surfaced. There's a lot of videos surfacing, so you know you'll have to. We'll try to play a little bit of them, but we don't have much time, so you may have to watch some on your own. But uh, anyways, this video is is kind of good though. So uh, in some body cam footage. Um, Released by uh, some county in Florida. Boneface is in the back of the car. And the officers are trying to identify him. But are having a hard time. They're, they're asking him questions. Typing on their little computer. Uh, finally they enter his information manually. They're asking him his name. He tells them his birth date. He tells them they enter it. And it, something pops up. Alright. And this is where the dirt starts coming up. Well first it's his rap sheet. It's extensively long. And they're looking at it. And they have a little laugh about it. The cop even tells them. Man you're you're. You're quite the uh, civilian, aren't you? He just laughs it off. Then the officer asks, are you from Ukraine? Uh, to which you hear Boneface reply in perfect English, mind you. Uh, yeah, I just got back from fighting over there. I was in, I was fighting, helping them in the war. And then the officer discovers a note attached to his file that states, in the event Boneface is ever arrested, they're to contact the FBI. Well, they all have a laugh again. <laughs> and then you hear Boneface say, well, you better do it. The officer laughs, and then the video ends. Let's hear a little bit of the video before we go any further. I haven't heard a second of Have you ever been in trouble in Escambia County before? No, Ordered a plan and... What well, yes, what I said. I'm black. <laughs> you know your driver's license number? Uh, no, sir, not. Spell your last name. 
First name? Middle name? Birthday? Of what? What was the other thing about that? Hmm, terrorist organization number. Sure? Never seen that one before. Is it? says the contact the screening center. Oh yeah, my bad. You've yeah. never seen that before. I've never seen it either. Arms, dangerous, violence, and disease. That's that way. <laughs> you got border patrol phone number on this. What's that? You got border patrol phone number on this. Really? Are you from Ukraine? Let's get back to what you said. It says to contact the FBI. <laughs> we encounter this thing. We'll do it. Well, then, that escalated from Well, there you have it. So what does this all mean? Well, that's for you to decide. I lay it out for you to play it out. But just remember the question that got us here in the first place. Do federal agencies use agents or informants in operations against citizens or organizations? And if they do, to what extent and why? Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Space City X-Files Presents Strange Happening 7. There was definitely some strange stuff going down in this episode, but we hope you found it informative. And if you did, and you want to leave us a thank you, then we ask that after the conclusion, you take a few minutes to leave us a short written review and a thumbs up. Your feedback helps us break through all those stupid algorithms to reach more people all over the world, and we can't thank you enough for supporting us in that way. We'll be back next week with another thought-provoking episode, and of course, we hope you'll join us again. Until then, this is Rick with the Space City X-Files telling you to keep listening, keep questioning, and keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Space City X-Files Presents Strange Happening 7.